Can you stand with me as we read the Word of God? Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Mark chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Mark chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. And it says, For she said, If I may touch but his clothes... I shall be made well. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Bow your heads with me as we consider this subject, unreasonable reasons. Unreasonable reasons. Father in heaven, there were a couple of times this week you were all that we had, but with you we had all of heaven's gift in one person. Lord, you don't give us things, you give us Christ. And in him, we have every single thing that we need. Father, we ask that as we open your word, that you will indeed open our hearts. Do it in a way that only you can do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, we learned that we seek God and pursue God the way that he seeks and pursues us. Our gift to him is in response to his gift to us. We give him everything because he gave us everything. And hear me, it's not an equal exchange. He gave us his son, and we give him our lives. Our zeal and commitment to his son creates in us a love for him. This woman with the issue of blood, we learned last week that she uses her senses in pursuit of Jesus. She uses her ears when she hears him, her feet when she follows him, her eyes when she presses to him, and her hands to reach to him. And today we're going to see how she uses her mouth not to talk to Jesus, but to talk to herself about Jesus. Verse 26 says she hears reports about Jesus, and the reports that she hears, the good news that she hears, causes her to move. She hears other people's testimonies, but she cannot use another person's experience in her place. I told you on Wednesday night that God does not accept hearsay testimony. A hearsay witness does not have direct knowledge of the facts asserted but knows only from being told by somebody else. It's not what other people say about Jesus. It's not how other people handle Jesus, but it's, it's how you handle Jesus. You can come through faith through others, but you have to do like my grandmama used to say, you got to see Jesus for yourself. A witness, a witness is someone who has direct knowledge about a person, a place, or an event through an actual experience. God doesn't need hearsay witnesses. He needs real witnesses. And it says in verse 28 that she says to herself, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. When the president of the United States appoints someone to a position in his administration, that person is what we call nominated for a position. They have to go through a vetting process before they can be confirmed 
to that position. There's two parts to the process. There's a nomination where the president says something about someone, and then there's confirmation where we learn about what the president says. And through this vetting process, one comes to find out if what other people have said about the person is true. In verse 28, I submit to you, she is nominating Jesus. And in verse 29, she is confirming Jesus. She is nominating Jesus, hear me, for the position of hero before she confirms him for the position. And she repeats the promise to herself that is not based upon reason, but is based upon hope. She is hoping that what she heard is who he is. She is hoping that the person people talk about is the one that she prays to. People would hear her testimony and they would say her talking to herself is unreasonable. People would hear her talking about his clothes and the possibility of touching his clothes and they will try to talk her out of her pursuit. People will misunderstand her because they do not understand her struggle. The people who take Jesus for granted will hear her, but they won't understand that her praise won't make sense because they are not the ones bleeding. The people who hear her talking to herself will not understand her because they do not understand her struggle. So please don't tell me that you know what I'm going through. Don't tell me that you understand how I feel. You do not understand my journey. You can see my journey, but you don't understand my journey. Please don't try to talk sense into me while, while I am pressing to Jesus. You need to understand something critical. She is not going based upon what she sees. She is going based upon what she heard. What did I say? She's not going based upon what she sees. She is going based upon what she heard. So if I see her pressing to Jesus and I try to talk her out of it, she would say, I've never seen him, but I heard he can walk on liquid surfaces. I've never seen him, but I heard he can turn water into wine. I've never seen him, but I heard that when you touch the hem of his garment, that he'll open up a pharmacy for you. I've never seen him but I heard he'll give you the prescription that you need. I've never seen him, but when you tug on the edge of his garment, he'll open up a Walgreens for you. I've never seen him, but I heard that he spoke and it was done. I'm not going based upon what I see. I'm going based upon what I heard. I've never seen him, but I heard that he commanded and it stood fast. I've never seen his face, but I heard he saw darkness and he said, let there be light. I've never seen this Savior, but I heard that in him all things consist and hold together. I've never seen him, but I heard that he's the resurrection and the life. I've never seen him, but I heard that he is God's one and only son. I've never seen him, but I'm not going based upon what I see. I'm going based upon what God says. Hear me, I'm, not, I'm nominating him not based upon what I see, but just based upon what I heard. And the things I heard God say are the things I repeat to myself. Those things I say to myself are unreasonable. And the people who hear me talking to myself, they say it's unreasonable too. But I say, that's okay. 
It's like the farmer who plants a seed. The farmer tills the soil and plants the crop and fertilizes the crop, and they don't see a plant come up when they come out the next day. A farmer can't go based upon what they see. They have to go based upon what has been planted. The seed is taking root in the soil. It's not coming up yet. You don't go out and just pull up the seed just because you don't see a crop. You cannot go based upon what you see. You have to go based upon what has been planted. It's like when you're exercising. You don't see a change, but you're still pushing. You're still zooming. You're still doing those, those spinning classes. After four weeks, you don't see a change. After six weeks, you see a change. After eight or plus so weeks, others see a change. But in that process, you can't go based upon what you see. You see, if you want to get your change, you cannot go based upon what other people say. You have to go based upon what God has said. So she's saying to herself, if, if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. I don't know if you remember 10th grade math. I had issues with 10th grade math. My, 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 my adoptive father used to come to my class. I was doing bad in 10th grade math. You see, the issue was there was too many letters. And I went to math class to learn numbers. And they were teaching me math. They were teaching me what was called compound sentences. If P is true, then Q is true. And I'm like, I don't understand all that. Just give me the numbers. Don't, don't give me logic. And they said, you won't understand math if you don't understand letters. And, and, and my issue was I didn't like the teacher because our teacher was out for the year and we had a substitute. And he said, Joe, you need to come after school to get help with your math. And my father, he, he made me go. So I'm an expert when it comes to logic and math. And when I look at verse 28, I see a logical compound sentence. And you're saying, well, what are you talking about, preacher? Compound sentences are in the form of if P, then Q. It can be understood as a promise. Truth for the entire equation is decided on the basis if you think the promise is true. If you think the promise is kept, it's what's called the conditional clause. If I do this, then I believe this will happen. If P, then Q. If the first part is true, then the second part is true as well. That's reasonable. That's logical. But we need to understand something. Before we can get to the conditional promises of God, we have to first look at the unconditional promises of God. The unconditional promises of God gives me confidence that he will do what he says he will do regardless of my, uh, my inability to hold up my end of the argument. What are you saying? It is the unconditional promises of God that is the basis of our worship. What are you talking about? I didn't come to church for a math class. All right. The slant of the earth is tilted on an angle of 23 degrees. It produces our seasons. If the earth had not been tilted exactly the way it was, the vapors from the ocean would pull both north and south, and it would create continents of ice. All right. If the moon was just 50,000 miles away from the earth instead of 200,000 miles, the tides would be so enormous that the continents would be submerged in water. Okay. If the crust of the earth had been only 10 feet thicker, then there would be no oxygen 
and without it, all life would cease. Okay. The earth's weight has been estimated at, at six sextillion tons. That's six with 21 zeros attached to it, yet it is perfectly balanced and turns easily on the 23-degree axis. And it revolves daily at the rate of 100,000 miles per hour or 25,000 miles per day. That adds up to 9 million miles per year spinning on an invisible axis, all held by the unseen bands of gravity. God does this unconditionally. Hear me, God does it without your contribution, he does it without your input, and he does it without charging you a dime. That means that God is predictable and God is consistent. Not just that, but my heart still beats. When I wake up, the sun still shines, the moon still reflects light, my lungs still process oxygen. These are all the unconditional promises of God. It happens whether you believe in them or not, and whether you acknowledge God for them or not. The song says, if you never provide another blessing, you've done more than enough. If you never move another mountain, you've done more than enough. If you stop the sun from rising and the moon from shining, you've done more than enough. The unconditional promises of God are the basis of our worship and it builds our confidence in God. But an atheist can look at that. A scientist can look at that. It's when we come to the conditional promises of God where we have issue. What's a conditional promise of God? Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, God says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's the condition. God says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and what he will do is he will direct your path. Isaiah 55, verse 6 and 7 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous person their thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. That's your condition. And it says he will have mercy and he will abundantly pardon. It's a conditional promise. A conditional promise is 1 John 1, 9. God says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you of your unrighteousness. When you meet the conditions, God says he'll give you what you ask for and what you don't expect. She's putting her faith in a person, not an idea, not a doctrine, not, an not a concept, but a person who holds the world in his hands. She's putting her confidence in a person who created all things. She's putting her confidence in a person who handles world affairs, planetary affairs, galaxy affairs, and universe affairs all at the same time with detailed attention and individual effort. She is placing her hope in a qualified candidate. And she is testifying in advance to counteract all of the negative voices that she hears. She is repeating to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. It's not a self-help Oprah-type mantra. 
It's not just something that you look in the mirror and repeat to yourself. She is repeating what God has done and in the hopes of what he will do. She says, if I touch him, I shall be made whole. You see, the reason why we have issues with conditional promises is because we think we have to be qualified to meet the conditions. I'll say that one more time. The reason why we have issues with the conditional promises of God is because we think that we have to be qualified to meet the conditions. Some people say that they can't reach out and touch Jesus because of what they know about themselves. Hear me. I won't let the things I know about myself stop me from confirming the things I want to know about him. I won't let the things I know about myself hinder me from reaching out and touching him. They won't stop me from getting what I need. The things I know about myself, they're true. But the things I hear about him, they might be true, and I won't find out if I don't reach out and touch him. You see, the one thing we often run by is this. There are more reasons not to touch Jesus than to touch him. Some reasons not to touch Jesus is the mere fact that she's been sick for 12 years, the duration of her sickness, the severity of her sickness, the unknown source and cause of her sickness. There are many reasons not to reach out and touch Jesus. She had seen the movie 12 Years a Slave, and she said, yep, that's me. I've been bleeding for that long. I've had the second opinions. The fountain of my blood is gushing. I did all of the temple offerings, but they didn't work. I'm a woman without money. She could think he will do it for others, but he won't do it for me. There are many reasons not to touch Jesus. Hear me. It's logical not to touch him while you're bleeding. Here it is. She's covered in her own blood. Her blood is on her hands. She's been covered in her blood, so she thinks, for 12 years. But to counteract all of the reasons not to touch him, she sings a song to herself. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Don't magnify the problem so much that you lose sight of the solution. While I was driving here, I saw a billboard, and it said Modesto Junk Company. And I, and I said, I, 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 don't, I don't have a lot of junk. I have some things that are recyclable. I, I take my stuff to, to the recycling place. And, and recycling was new to me because growing up, we just put everything in the green barrel, and then people got eco-friendly and environmental there in New York, and they gave us these bins that we had to put our plastic in and, and all the other stuff in that was recyclable. And I said, on the billboard, it said, we want your junk. I'm like, oh, oh okay. I, I went to the website there, Modesto Junk Company, and it said they've been collecting trash since 1920. During the Depression, the owner would go around and collect stuff that people saw no value in. They had used it and they threw it away. Their motto is simply, we want your junk, the thing that you've used, the thing that you think is garbage, the thing that you think is trash, the thing that is worthless to you, I want it and I'll come and pick it up. 
I can make something beautiful out of trash. You see, there are many reasons not to touch Jesus. I've been a great sinner. I've been a great liar. I think to myself, I'm a loser. But when I think about all that's wrong with me, I begin to think, I, I get it twisted that God wants the best of what I have. God does not want the best of what I have. He wants the worst of what I have. God wants busts. God wants reclamation projects. God wants Kwame Browns and Andrew Bynums. God wants people with issues. God wants failures. God wants people who do not measure up. God wants incompetent people. He wants bleeding people. God wants us, not because we're trash, but because we're priceless. That's why she keeps repeating the promises of God, because there are so many reasons not to believe. The idea that God would actually want her is unreasonable. So when the, when the devil whispers to me, you're a great sinner, I, I, I say, that's true, but God is a great savior. When he says, Joe, you're lost and you can't find your way, I say, that, that, that's true, but, but Jesus is my way. When he says, boy, you're confused, I say, that, that, that's true, but Jesus is my truth. God takes the torn, the battered, and the bruised, and he makes an exchange with us. You see, that's the false premise. We think that God tells us to change. God does not tell us to change. He says, be changed by making an exchange. God does not say change. He says, you will be changed when you make an exchange. I already know that I'm bleeding. I already know that I'm covered in my blood. What I don't know is I'm covered in his blood. You see, I've been bleeding for 12 years, and I think that I've been covered in my blood. When in actuality, I've been covered in his blood. How do I know? Revelation says that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. Before the beginning of the world, God put salvation on layaway in the sanctuary. And he came to put a down payment to buy everybody back. So when she taps Jesus on the garment, she is picking up what Jesus has already bought for her. She is picking up a package that God has already ordained for her to get. I submit to you this morning that every person under the sound of my voice is covered in his blood. You're breathing because you're covered in his blood. You are alive today because of his mercy. You're living, you're walking, you're moving. Your very being is because you're covered in his blood. The whole world, the whole universe is covered in his blood. And you know what else? Ah, the first sin should have took you out. The reason why you're not dead is because of the blood of Jesus. The, the breath that you use to curse him, the energy that you use to sin with, the body that you give away belongs to him. The reason why you aren't taken out is because you're covered in his blood. John chapter 1 verse 9 says the true light gives light to everyone who is coming into the world. It's because of the blood of Jesus that you have any life. The body that we use to sin with is alive because of, blood, because of the blood of Jesus. You see, you're covered. 
in the blood, whether you're conscious of it or not. But you become washed in the blood when you reach out and touch him by faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm covered in the blood, but I want to be washed in the blood. You're covered in the blood, but you want to be washed in his blood. That happens when you reach out and touch him by faith. Verse 29 says, immediately, her bleeding stops and she feels in her body that she's been freed from her suffering. That's confirmation. The thing that she hoped for, the thing that she prayed for and cried for and believed for is true. I take the risk and I put myself in his hands. Everybody is covered in the blood, but not everybody is washed by the blood. I feel and know through experience that my bleeding stops and that he frees me from my suffering when I touch him, he takes my blood, he takes my mistakes, he takes my sin, he takes my debt, and my bleeding stops. Hear me, it doesn't stop because I say it stops. It stops, not even because I believe it stops. It stops, not because I want it to stop. It stops because God made a decision in advance that he would heal me of my bleeding, that he would be my physician and take my disease. And I'm tapping him just because I believe it. I don't have to have strong faith. All I need is mustard seed faith. You have to come to the place where you can say, I might not be strong, I might be bleeding, but I've reached out and touched him by faith. I've tried him and I know him. He is mine and I am his. They say that science is proved by observation, experimentation, and verification. But if all she does is see him, if all she does is walk near him, if all she says to herself the promises repeated by him, if she doesn't touch him, she will die and bleed to death. It's not enough to think good thoughts about Jesus. It's not enough to realize he's the savior of the world. It's not enough to realize that he's cuddly, warm, and fuzzy. You have to take him as your savior. He came to die for you. But I hear somebody saying, how can I verify something with an invisible God? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's not something that can be verified in a laboratory. It's something you do by faith. I can't just have facts about Jesus. I can't just have information about where he was born and concepts about his son and salvation on the periphery of my cerebellum. I need to know him by reaching out and touching him. I don't just want to be Facebook friends with Jesus. I got about 2,500 friends on Facebook and, 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 and people Somebody walked up to me a month ago, and they said, hey. And I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> Just because you know where I live, where I work, what I'm doing in school, don't mean you know me. I don't, I don't want to be like those celebrity stalkers where they have imaginary relationships with famous people. 
I, I, I don't want to be like that. Where you, where you cropping pictures, putting them on your phone, acting like you actually know them. But to know somebody, you have to be in a relationship with them. You have to eat with them. You have to walk with them. You have to cry with them and pray with them and study with them. To know somebody, you have to spend time with them. That's when you know somebody. And the only way to go beyond a knowledge about God and to have a knowledge of God is to have unreasonable reasons. How can I have a love relationship with an invisible God? Easy. He's taking the initiative to have a relationship with me. <laughs> before I was bleeding, before I was suffering, before I was hurting, before I was looking for a physician, there was a physician that was looking for me. Before I was seeking him out, before I was checking for him, he was looking for me and searching for me, walking the earth looking for me. And my meeting him today is because he made a decision long before I was ever born to meet me. But I still have to reach out and touch him. I'm covered in his blood, but I want to reach out and be washed in his blood. You see, it's the first four chapters of Mark that symbolize four different types of people. Symbolizing the parable of the sower and the seed. You have people who have curiosity about Jesus. You have people who have knowledge about Jesus. You have people who are amazed by Jesus, but they do not trust him. They do not know him. They have confidence in his miracle working power, his power over nature, his power over sickness, his power over demons, and his power over death, but they do not trust him. They say, what manner of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him, but they do not trust him. Treating Jesus like Wolverine. Fascinated by him, but afraid of him. Intrigued by him, but won't be in a room alone with him. There's a reason. They've touched the wrong Savior. They've, they have not reached out and touched a suffering Savior. Their expectations are faulty. They expect a magician to pop out. They expect a genie in a bottle, a Marvel comic Jesus. But Jesus has said, I have come to suffer and die. That's unreasonable. The way for her bleeding to stop is for his bleeding to start. The only way she can be freed from her suffering it's for her doctor to suffer in her place. The only way I can get a divine blood transfusion is for him to take blood out of his body and put it into my body. I told you God never told her to change. He said you need a blood transfusion. You need to make an exchange, and that's unreasonable. And God says, I want to do it for a sick people. I want to do it for a people who don't know me, a people who reject me, and people who don't like me. People who will eat my bread and spit in my face. That's unreasonable. Me being your savior is not based upon reason. It's based on love. People who are unrighteous, people who are guilty, people who think they're trash. That's not reasonable. People who are filthy, people who are sick, People who have pre-existing conditions. People who are dead in their sins. That's unreasonable. 
This woman has suffered under the hands of many physicians. And she asks the question, is there a bomb in Gilead? Is there any physician? But here it is. The bomb comes from a physician that suffers with you and suffers for you. That's unreasonable. Her healing can only come because he suffers with her and suffers for her. One preacher said she was sick. God took the medicine and she got well. That's unreasonable. It says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's mine. The transgressions, the pasha, the things we thought of, the things we strategized of, the things we took delight in. God says he was wounded for that. And it says he was bruised for our iniquities, the ahwal, the sins and the consequences of those sins. That means if you've ever had premarital sex and not dead, that's because he was bruised for your iniquities. That's unreasonable. It says the chastisement that brought me peace was upon him, and by his stripes I'm healed. That's unreasonable. I'm freed from my suffering because he suffers for me. He suffers for me. He bleeds for me. He was whipped for me. He did it for me. That's unreasonable. And here's what messed me up. It says in Isaiah 53 that it pleased God to bruise him. It pleased him to put him to grief. That ain't reasonable. It says he shall see the labor of his soul and shall be satisfied. It says God conspired to do it. He planned to do it all before anybody was ever born. He wanted to do it. He was happy to do it. That's unreasonable. I'm so glad that God doesn't ask me to change. He says, son or daughter, you need to be changed by making an exchange with me and let me take your blood. But hear me, you have to reach out and touch me. It's not abracadabra. You're not going to stop bleeding by just wishing and hoping. I've already proved myself to you. I've already revealed myself to you. But you have to reach out and touch me. It's not reasonable. My younger brother, he was a stepbrother. And, and he came to us many, many, many years ago. He was about 10 years old. He came to us with his two other brothers, and, and, and they, they had issues, more issues than I had when I went into that foster home. And they came to us, I'm not going to give too many details, but he had an issue, he probably got it from me, he liked to talk on the phone. And he didn't have a job, so he would talk on the phone, this was before cell phones, he liked to talk on the phone with people who lived in other area codes. <clears throat> and my foster mother was very reasonable. She said, Negro, if, well, in other words, she said, if you make your bed, you got to lie in it. 
So the bill came back for like $200. And, and she said, who, who, who did this? She went to my older brother. She said, Nick, well, she said, did you do this? She said, no, no, I ain't me. She came to me. I said, no, my girlfriend live here in the city. And, and, she, and she, said, she said the young boy's name. He came down the stairs. She said, she's about to smack him. She said, did, did you run up this big bill? He said, you expect me to pay this? Just, just hands on the hip, just like that. She said, you expect me to pay this? And she said some words that aren't curse words, so she thought. And she said, until you pay this bill, you won't be able to talk on the phone. He ain't have a job. He ain't had no source of income. So his girl that he's in love with, he'll never see her. He ain't have a car. And he won't even talk to her anymore. I left that night, got on the bus, went to work. Holy Spirit began talking to me. Holy Ghost said, Joe, pay his bill. I said, I'm not, I said brother, you must be out your mind. I'm hearing voices. I said, no, I ain't super saved. I ain't God. I'm making minimum wage. That ain't God. And, and, I, and I couldn't shake it. And I came home. He didn't even know it. I, I, went to my, I went to my foster mother. I said, how much does he owe? And she said, she told me how it was. I said, ooh. I said, God, I think God told me to pay his bill. She said, what? He'll never learn responsibility. Let him reap what he sows. He'll never learn the value of a dollar. All, all those phrases that she said. And I said, I've made a decision. He owes a debt he can't pay. And I have the resources to pay his debt. He ain't asked me to do it. He don't even know that I'm doing it. We're not even going to tell him that I'm here talking to you. And, and they said, just sleep on it. Just, just, just let it marinate in your head. Because once you give me this money, it ain't going back. I said, yes, ma'am. I went and slept on it. Came back. Woke up. I'm praying that God will open up a door to magically pay his bill. God said, I've already given you the answer to your prayer. You go and pay it. And I told, my, I told my other brother, I said, you know, I think God told me to pay, pay his bill. He said, thank God. All these people telling me, keep your money. I wasn't rich. I dropped out of college, making minimum wage. And I went, I wrote a check, and I said, let me see, let me see that again. I said, let, we, we went down the bill and said, are you sure this was his car? We went down the bill, added up every single car he made, wrote out a check, gave it to her. And she said, are you sure, baby? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, is this check going to clear? I said, yes, it is. <laughs> and, and he came home that day, and he, he, he was moping. And I, and I gave him the phone. I said, you can call your girl. He said, what? I said, I said, I paid your bill. He said, I ain't asked you to do that. I got my money. I, I can do my, I can handle my own stuff. I said, no, you can't. I, I know how much you make. You don't make anything. I said, you owe a debt you can't pay. And I'm going to pay a debt I don't owe just so you can talk to your girl. That night, I was reading my Bible, and he came over and tapped me on the shoulder. He said, Joey, is that grace? I said, yeah, I guess I ain't think about it like that. I, then I started preaching. I got up. I said, God so loved the world <laughs> that he gave his one and only son. He came to pay a debt you couldn't pay. He did it before you knew about it. And he said, man, he said, why'd you do it? I said, I don't know. He said, it don't make any sense. I said, yeah, it ain't, it ain't based upon sense because I know, I know it's crazy. 
I said, it's based because I love you. I came to tell somebody today. You owe a debt that you don't even know that you owe. You don't even know how much you owe. But before you were conscious of your debt, God says, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to conspire with my son to come and to die in your place. You will never be able to repay me. Stop trying to make it fit in your systems of logic. And just believe what I've said. God says, if you reach out and touch me, I'll put an IV in your heart. And I'll begin to take out all of the dead tissue and the atrophied muscles in your dead heart. And I will give you a new heart, a new immune system, and new blood all for free. It will not make sense. It doesn't have to make sense for it to be true. But God says, if you put your faith in my son, I will pay a debt you cannot pay. There's somebody here under the sound of my voice. You've been carrying something and you think that you have to change yourself. God does not ask you to change. God says, brother, sister, daughter, you need to be changed by making an exchange with me and it's not going to be on equal terms. I'm going to empty heaven and give you a gift. And all you have to do is give me your faith. I want your trash. I want your junk. Hear me. I want you. There's somebody here under the sound of my voice saying, Preacher, that's a good deal. I want that deal right now. If there's somebody here under the sound of my voice, you want to make an exchange with Jesus, I invite you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray a special prayer just for you. Scripture says where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. When the demand for grace is high, the supply is even higher. But you have to fill your need. You have to get so desperate where anything God will give you will be anything you accept. And when you find out the terms of his agreement, you say that's too good to be true. But I've come to learn something. It's so good, it has to be true. There's somebody here that wants to reach out and touch Jesus and know that your bleeding will stop and that your suffering will end. I invite you to come to the front and I want you to give God your bleeding. There's somebody here that wants to make an exchange with Jesus. You want him to take what you have and you want to take what he has for you. Come to the front. I'm going to pray a special prayer just for you. There's something that you want from God that you've been trying to buy. You've been trying to earn. God says, make an exchange with me. Give me your ashes, I'll give you beauty. Give me your tears, I'll give you a garment of praise. There's somebody here that wants to make that exchange. Is there another? There's somebody here that wants to make that exchange with him. Is there another? Bow your heads with me. 
Father in heaven, before we were born, you said you would create us. And, and you knew in advance we were going to be screwed up. You knew that we would have issues and that you would issue a recall. That you would take responsibility for a defect in your product that you made perfect. And you take responsibility for the messed up, screwed up product. And you take it back. And you fix it. And you give it back to us. Brand new. No questions asked. Father, there, there's somebody here under the sound of my voice. They've been bleeding. And right now, by faith, they're reaching out and touching you. God, I ask that you make their bleeding stop and that you free them from their suffering. Let them know that you suffer with them and that you suffered for them. It ain't based upon reason, but it's based upon love. If that's what you need from God, just respond by saying amen. God bless yes. you. God bless you.